everybody, this is Out Loud with Kai, Elena, and Mia, and in this episode we're going to talk all about the history and implications of monogamy, its relation to polygamy, and where we can go from here in our current society. We chat with a gender women's studies professor to give us some more insight. Hi, I'm Lily Johnson. Uh, I'm an assistant professor in gender women's studies and Asian American studies, and I'm also the faculty advisor for Sex Out Loud. So thank you to Mia and Kai for having me join you today. Absolutely. We love having you here and we're so excited to dive into today's episode. So let's talk about polygamy. Like what is polygamy? Well, polygamy is basically like the practice um, of having more than one wife or husband at a time. Um, Polygamy has historically taken two forms, polyandry and polygyny. And polygyny is the state or practice of having more than one wife or female mate at a time. Well, polyandry is more the practice of having more than one husband or male mate at one time. But it can also just be, like, having more than one, like, sexual partners. And you can have, like, a primary, like, you can have a primary, like, partner who's, like, your life partner. And then both of you can have, like, different sexual partners. And it doesn't necessarily have to take away from your primary partner. Yeah. the I think the difference between... Um, any polyamory, polyamorous relationship and monogamy is monogamy is the practice of only having one sexual and or romantic partner at a time. And what we get into here is it's it's monogamy in itself is not bad, lesser or necessarily a toxic structure for romantic relationship relationships. However, what we talk about in this episode today is that it's prevalence and influence in patriarchal and heteronormative systems. Um, it is very prominent. It also has many harmful concepts of power and control that have been um, kind of intertangled with what true love means. And uh, there's this author who's uh, named Hilary Berry, and she kind of talks about this thing called toxic monogamy and toxic monogamy culture, which refers to monogamy as a cultural institution that has been interpreted and practiced in ways that are unhealthy. And that's kind of what we touch on a bit today as well. Um, And there's a quote from Explained, actually, that said, love does not equal monogamy, love is a feeling, and monogamy is a rule. And Lily, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, I am in a monogamous relationship uh, with my partner of six years. I would agree that love does not equal monogamy, and I would also agree that love is a feeling. I think that whether monogamy is a rule versus a feeling or a sort of larger life approach really depends on the individual. And I definitely think there are people for which monogamy is a rule. I guess in my own personal experience, I have not found it to be a rule insofar as I do not feel that it is something that I must follow, you know, in, and if I do not, there are um, external repercussions. And so I guess I would say in my eyes, I see it as a personal choice, uh, but not necessarily inherently a rule. So basically like in a historical sense of monogamy, um, for like most of human history, I guess like, I think like 90% of it, we were hunter gatherers. Um, we, lived in these larger communities, um, and there wasn't necessarily this idea of, like, one 
male, one female, and they, like, reproduce, and they have these kids, and they have this little family unit that we have right now that's, like, very popular, especially in, like, a, like the United States the and standard stuff. nuclear family, 2.5 kids. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it was more of, like, kind of this community, and, um, like, everyone kind of took care of the kids, and no one really knew whose, like, father was each parent. It was just kind of, like, the children of the community, and everyone would take care of a baby if it was crying. And there are still, like, some indigenous communities today who still practice that and are not necessarily, like, in, like, spearheads of, like, monogamy and all that. Um, but it's just far less common now, mainly because of, like, imperialism and colonization, because for a very long time monogamy was very heavily practiced in like Western European cultures and that's kind of where it started to come about um it was not necessarily like started because it was like oh I like fell in love with this person and I want to be with them all the time it was more of like a power play kind of like a few hundred years ago like the most powerful families would marry each other to like get more power like Cleopatra and Antony or, like, Juana la Loca and um, Felipe I. Like, it was more of a coming together of empires and not really seen as love. And then, with more time to kind of... It became more this idea of, like, oh, like, this man and women, they need each other to, like, balance each other out because women are demure and very, like, nurturing and men are very aggressive and protective, so they need each other, and it kind of reinforce these gender roles that were already very prevalent in Western European society. So it just kind of was like, okay, well, this is a good idea. We're going to keep going with this and push these ideas. Um, So yeah, that's more of like the history of monogamy and how it's been used in society and how it's been kind of perpetuated to reinforce gender roles and things like that. So, Lily, do you think that monogamy has any implications in regards to patriarchal roles? So I think this is a really good question. I don't know if it's that monogamy has implications in regards to patriarchal roles, but I would say and agree, especially like from a gender and women's studies perspective, that monogamy has historically been uh, a part of a fundamental part of patriarchal society. And I do think there are ways that monogamy as the heteronormative norm uh, does and can reinforce patriarchal norms. But I would say that I don't necessarily think that monogamy is inherently patriarchal. And so in that context, I do think that it is possible to be you know, a feminist and be in a monogamous heterosexual relationship. I do think it is possible to be monogamous and not be supporting patriarchy, you know, so in that sense, I don't think it's inherently patriarchal, but I would also say that it has been used historically in the context of patriarchal society. Um, Sometimes, you know, especially in relation to marriage and expectations of heterosexual marriage, uh, and the way that it's used, you know, on an institutional level to um, distribute rights, you know, and access to resources. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lily. And now that we've talked a little bit more about those patriarchal components, let's get into some some interesting information in regards to the animal kingdom and how monogamy is not really a thing uh, when it comes to a lot of mammals. Yeah, and then in terms of the greater animal kingdom, monogamy is actually extremely uncommon. It's pretty rare that animals have one sexual partner their entire life. 
um, and most have various sexual partners. Um, and a lot of times the female is taking care of the babies too. Like mm-hmm. that, it's not very common that there's one nu- nuclear family that is taking care of the baby and in a committed relationship among animals. Um, and among mammals, only 9% actually exhibit monogamous tendencies. So it is also really low. It exists, but it is super uncommon. Um, and we are actually um, most commonly related to chimps and bonobos. And we know that bonobos actually will have sex anytime, anywhere. They'll have <laughs> sex with whoever they can, as much as they can. And they really don't have a regard to, to think about, like, you know, who they're having a child with and... Um, you know, a family, and and they're not monogamous. They're just kind of doing what feels good at the time and reproducing and having sex for fun, which is also something I think that is kind of unique about them is that they are having sex literally to have fun for pleasure, mm-hmm. similar to humans. Um, and if they're stressed, they'll have sex. Yeah. Like, I'm just yeah. trying to release some Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, we know and we can recognize that, like, other mammals um, are having sex for pleasure. And... Um, they are not monogamous. So that being said, we are kind of closely related to them. So some people kind of um, believe that because we're so closely related that we could potentially be evolved to also be non-monogamous, which is an interesting explanation and um, kind of fits a different um, story than what's happening currently, um, especially in Western culture. So I think that that's very interesting. Absolutely. And... I think we say a lot of this not to say that, like, we should be non-monogamous or we should be monogamous. I think it's just really interesting information to hold and to consider that, yeah, to have context for polyamory is not abnormal, like, at all. Um, So... uh, Talking about polyamory a little bit more is it is a form of non-monogamy, but polyamory in itself is an umbrella term for intimate, romantic, or sexual relationships that involves more than two people. Um, so we'll get into, we'll dive a little deeper into those, but this, um, because this term includes relationships in which one partner is unaware the other is non not monogamous, so like when someone's committing adultery or just cheating, yada yada, Um, this idea of polyamory advocates for this form of non-dyadic structure, which often refers to the relationships as consensual non-monogamy, um, or ethical non-monogamy. So that's kind of what we will be talking about, um, in relation to this episode. So the range of consensual non-monogamous relationships includes a a lot, actually. So there's polyamory, which is multiple romantic and or sexual partners, polygamy, which is one person married to multiple partners. There's group marriage, which is each person in the relationship is married to the others. There's open relationships or open marriages, which is a committed or married couple that is not committed to sexual fidelity, which, um, is also, I want to preface this by saying, all these are completely fine. And there's polyfidelity, which is a relationship with multiple partners, but that restricts sexual activity to within a certain group, which is interesting, because we I don't think we hear about all these super often. Right, yeah. um, there's monogamish, which is couples that are sexually polyamorous, but remain, quote-unquote, emotionally monogamous. There's swinging, which is similar to open relationships, but it's conducted as, like, a social activity, um, which involves, like, group sex or is sometimes referred to as, like, husband swapping, wife swapping, 
that, that's a show, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a show. That's um, a, so yeah, that's swinging. <laughs> there's um, triad or triad, which is a polyamorous relationship of three people. And then there's also relationship anarchy, which is participants participants in the relationship are not bound by a set of rules or norms. So that doesn't really have like a structure. You know, they can it can be encompassing multiple um, types of consensual non-monogamous relationship so that's kind of the overview of what there there is in our society and it's really not talked about much like there are so many of these different forms of polyamory but only two percent of like the world practices um polyam or polygamy at least like like actually being married to um more than one individual yeah and that's that's just interesting yeah. <laughs> and I think also like going off that like there are so many different forms mm-hmm. and I don't think that we even talk about the different options for people like people don't even know that there are so many different things out there that just isn't monogamy mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that would be really cool to just be normalized and mm-hmm. to talk about to figure out what works best for each individual person but that also I think people assume that if you're not in a monogamous relationship, then there's no commitment, which is false. So you can still be committed to someone and be in a monog- and not be in a monogamous relationship, mm-hmm. and you can be committed and be in a monogamous monogamous relationship. So I don't. There isn't an. It's just it's hard to like you can't say um, that you have to be monogamous to be committed, which I think is a great um, I guess way to kind of go with this conversation and a good thought to have when you're getting into new relationships. Um, and actually one third of Americans state that their ideal relationship is non-monogamous. I think that also contributes to like the perpetuation of like myths by toxic monogamy. So like, how do we feel about, I know this is like very common, but how do we feel about the statement that if you truly love someone, you'll never be attracted to anyone else? Just false as hell. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't know, you can be in love, completely in love with someone, and of course, like, you're still going to be able to see, like, the beauty right. and the energy of others, mm-hmm. and you can still be completely committed to someone, but, like, that does not mean that you don't have eyes. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it just... literally, it kind of reminds me of, like, when, like, guys will be like, I can't tell if another guy's attractive. Yeah, it's like, you can't. Like, just no. Like, conventionally attractive, too. Like, well, of course, like, there are different standards, and, mm-hmm. like, there are Western standards as well, but, yes. like... Thinking about who in general is, like, an attractive person or someone just who, like, has a really symmetrical face, maybe. Like, I mean, we can kind of tell. Like, human, like, our brains are really awesome (laughs) at, like, making those connections. Um, So, yeah, it's... (laughs) Yeah. For sure. And also, like, with monogamy, of course, like, for some people it works, but, like, it's very hard to get everything that you need from one person. Mm-hmm. And that kind of puts a lot of pressure on one person. And, of course, like, it works for a lot of people, but it also doesn't work for a lot of people. And sometimes mm-hmm. some people need to go and, like, get different needs from different people. And that doesn't mean that, like, their relationship with another individual is not very, like, committed and full of love and full of, like, I don't know, like, yeah, just, like, love for this yeah. person and wanting to be with this person. Like, it's okay for them to not be able to provide everything. Right. Like, that's okay. You don't need to have everything in one person. Yeah. And you can still be with them. You just get it from someone else. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Thinking about expectations, do you think, what role do you think expectations play in, like, monogamous relationships versus polygamous relationships? Just because, like, 
I feel like those expectations can vary and that might sometimes perpetuate like stereotypical norms, but I just want to know what your thoughts are on just expectations, I guess, in monogamy. Definitely. I think, I don't, I guess I would say, I think what's really different about monogamy versus like polyamory or like other forms of, you know, romantic and sexual relationships that are not monogamy. I think the biggest difference actually is, um, that monogamy is seen as the sort of default norm in contemporary society. And, and that actually carries a lot of power. And so it's not that, you know, when we, you know, become preteens or teens and we start dating, we have a choice to make between A or B, but actually it's just assumed that people will be, you know, that a relationship means monogamy. And I actually think that that can be problematic because, um, I would say in the same way that polyamory can be an individual choice. I also think monogamy should also be sort of an individual conscious choice and not just something that you assume you're going to do because it's the norm, quote unquote. So this leads me to question, like, if polyamory and polyamorous relationships are actually like beneficial for a lot of people, then let's talk about some of these legalities. Why, why do we think it's illegal in practically every state? I think a lot has to do with stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And just like what, like, like with, um, westernized culture and like colonization, like a lot of it was imposed. Like it Mm -hmm. was not like, oh, you should try this out. It was like, no, you're going to be Catholic. You're going to be Christian. You're going to be married (laughs) to a male or female, like opposing, like, sex or whatever and that's what you're gonna do and it just kind of feels like that's like the lingering effects a little bit like of Mm -hmm. course there's gonna be laws against it because we still are a very like oh christian whatever nation Mm -hmm. and the idea that kind of goes against like what a lot of these western european countries have instilled in like american culture right since there was an america you know Mm -hmm. and like obviously this whole conversation is very like american like yeah american central and I feel like we don't necessarily have a very good scope of, like, the rest of the world, so like, mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable talking about that, but, yeah, like, in terms of America, like, I think that probably is where it comes from, a right. little bit at least. And then, yeah, and that directly kind of ties into stigma, like, if it's, yeah. like, illegal and it was always seen as this bad thing to not do, then, of course, there's going to be, like, a big stigma around it, mm-hmm. and, like, oh, you shouldn't do that because that's, like, bad and dirty mm-hmm. and weird and if you can't commit to someone then you're a bad person it's like Mm -hmm. that doesn't make you a bad person at all it just makes you a person who has different needs than other people I don't think that I know enough about the sort of nuances of these laws to kind of have a stance Mm -hmm. but I would say that and this maybe is also interesting is that you know even in certain communities where polygamy specifically you know is 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 popular or Uh, is happening, like it can still be used in the context of patriarchy, you know? And so I think a lot of us have seen like uh, TV shows, like sister wives and like other like forms of representations of these sort of poly relationships. And at least in the context of that show, since I've seen some of it, you know, and, and in certain situations, um, polygamy specifically is used to continue a a certain form of patriarchy in its own way. So I would say, I think that, again, it's not necessarily that there should or shouldn't, I guess I don't know enough to say whether or not there should or shouldn't be certain like uh, legalities in relation to that, but I would, but I would say that I think that 
the real question about whether or not monogamy or sort of polyamory or polygamy um you know is doing is is doing harm or is doing good does have to do with you know it's sort of real life impacts you know and so if we actually look at different communities and who is being policed you know by these laws uh i think then the question is are people being harmed for you know making individual choices that are about reinforcing you know certain gendered power structures or are they being harmed for individual choices that are not, you know, that are about mutual consent and about communication, you know? And so in that sense, I think I see those as kind of two different things. And I don't know whether or not the law is able to distinguish between them, you know? And so I think that would be something that um, would be interesting to explore if anyone wants to do research in this. And then also is something that's important to think about, like when we're trying to kind of uh, build a perspective on that particular topic. I feel like an important thing to note as well is that, like, there are some reasons why, like, polygamy is yeah. illegal, like, yeah. in, like, we're talking on an international scope, right? So, like, there are empirical studies that reveal somewhat of a correlation between polygamy or poly polygyny um, as it's currently practiced and, like, abuse to women, which is why a lot of countries choose to uphold bans on polygamy. Mm -hmm. um, so there were studies that said, like, for example, um, when compared to monogamous women, a lot of women in poly poly polyamorous or polygamous relations or marriages were much more likely to experience abuse, depression, and poverty. But I also think what's important to note about that is that there's there's a kind of different level of patriarchy in different parts of the world. And, mm -hmm. you know, both monogamy and polygamy can be used to enforce, patriarchy. enforce the patriarchy. And I think sometimes when there's non-consensual polygamy, which is happens in a lot of yeah. other countries. Um, and being here, too. Yeah, here, here as well. Being forced into certain marriages, being forced to marry older men and being for like all of these different criterion i can understand why lawmakers and policymakers would believe that polygamy and polyamory is quote-unquote dangerous but i don't think on a like if done properly and like we right. said earlier with non-toxic consensual um the consensual part's super important, of course, <laughs> but with um, consensual yeah. polygamy, it's definitely doable. And I think that, at least in my view, um, there are people in our society who are, like, polyamorous and, like, unable to legally enter a form of marriage right. where they desire, get the legal benefits mm -hmm. of marriage, and associate marriage with, like, the things they would like to, you know? Right. So I think maybe, like... It is working in the direction of decriminalization. However, I do think that it's, like, to justify the illegality of um, polygamous marriage in at least our modern society, it should be shown that it's causing significant harm. But I, I don't think that it is. I think, yeah, I think it is kind of complicated, too, because marriage is seen, like, in the eyes of, like, the state and, like, the church. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's all these, like, weird yeah. rules around marriage and, like, what is recognized as marriage, especially in the United States anywhere. But, like, 
even here, like, if we think about, like, gay marriage, like, it's it not, was, it's, like, it's so crazy, it's so recent, like, we're here in history. 2015 yeah. was when it was fucking legalized. Like, we're here. right now in this history that things are, like, starting to slowly change. So, like, thinking about that, like, it it's not surprising that there are certain groups of people who are essentially not given these benefits because their relationship is slightly different than the norm. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it also brings up, like, hard points, like, not even just, like, legal benefits um, with, like, being recognized by the state of being a couple or, like, you know, a triad or, like, a, a polyamorous relationship, but, like, if you're not identified or seen by the state as someone who has the right to, like, no medical information or to you know, raise children together. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. brings up a lot of complications, especially for people who are in committed relationships with more than one person. And And it's, it's, I don't know, it's hard to think about if that's right. And I feel like it also may cause some, like, respect issues with people just around them and, like, Mm -hmm. feeling, um, I guess, like, isolated or mistreated or whatever. And I think a really big important thing is that everyone should respect everyone's relationship as long as it's, like, healthy, there's a lot of consent going on, like, as long as communication (laughs) and consent and, like, healthy things are going on. I feel like why have all these judgments, you know, and all of this stuff and... Mm -hmm. Why can't we just all kind of do what is best for us? Yeah. And they, as long as it's best for everyone that's in that relationship, right. you know, and, like, there's no, like, weird shit going on. But, like, yeah. I, I think it's also interesting because if you, I mean, even me personally, like, I don't think anyone, like, necessarily thinks, oh, I need to try different types of relationships. Like, monogamy is, like, the standard. Like, I feel like so it's many people... Rooted. Yeah, <laughs> like, they don't yeah. even think that there are other options out there to even consider. And, like, there are, like, I mean, Mia said before, like, it's an umbrella term. There are so many different types of relationships that are non-monogamous, and we don't think about them really on a daily basis and like think about them being realistic even though I mean I think a lot of monogamous relationships aren't successful for certain reasons and of course like polyamorous relationships can be unsuccessful too for different reasons but I think like seeing the benefit of different types of relationships and like what works for each individual person is super important. As long as there is respect, mutual respect, as long as there is good communication because if you're in a monogamous if you're in a monogamous relationship and there's not good communication, I highly doubt it will be any <laughs> yeah. better if you go into right. a non-communicative polyamorous relationship. Like yeah. it will probably be worse honestly. Yeah. And I think that's a hard thing too cuz people are like, "Oh my gosh, if my relationship isn't helping let's throw a baby or let's throw yeah yeah another partner crazy it's like "Ah." (laughs) maybe you should look at the foundation there and see what's going Mm -hmm. on first before you just throw people in and i think that's like an important thing to note too if people are interested in trying out um polyamory and whatever form that works best for them like making sure that your primary partner if you're in a committed relationship and you are on the same page i think a lot of people like talk about like how they can try this out and i think that's awesome that's great to think about that i think it's great that more people are interested in trying these different types of relationships, but I also think that people should really mm-hmm. be on the same page yeah. and communicate and make sure that they have a really good, solid understanding with their partner, especially before thinking about adding new people. And even if it's just, like, for a threesome, which I know we've talked about kind of on this podcast before, like, communication just gets harder with more people. So we have to really be comfortable 
communicating everything, mm-hmm. um, which can be hard. It needs to be really open. Like, there's a lot of people who get hurt. There's a lot of yeah. people who have different needs mm-hmm. and different feelings, and you just always need to be aware of that and, like, really communicating. And, yeah, it's really hard, especially when there's three-plus people. Like, yeah. yeah. I think that's what scares a lot of people away, honestly, is that communication aspect, kind of, or, like, oh, I'm going to get jealous of this person yeah. or whatever. Like, like I said, it's, we've, we've reiterated, it's not for everyone, but, like, a lot of the quote-unquote issues that come with all these different forms of polyamory can be solved with communication. And, like, they can be addressed in a healthy way. I know, like, jealousy is very prominent in relationships. Jealousy is prominent in every I mean, relationship. Yeah, every Friendships, relationship. even. Fri- yeah, yeah per- period. So people are, people are jealous. It's <laughs> just... Really jealous people. Like, it's just, it's just important to remember that these relationships are just as valid as monogamous relationships. They function a little differently, and that's... And, may require different kinds of work. I don't want to say more work or less work because monogamy requires a lot of work work Mm -hmm. in a different way. And like this require polyamory, um, in whatever sense of the word requires a lot of work in a different way. So it's just interesting. Even with monogamy, like as Kai was kind of talking about earlier, like it's a lot of scientists have been talking about how it's probably not very natural for us. And like with that, Obviously, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try and be in a monogamous relationship and that you should be discouraged. And it just means that you're just going to have to, like, work for it. If that's what you really want, you're going to have to put the work in or else it's not going to work. Like, that's Mm -hmm. just kind of what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't mean it can't. doesn't mean that it won't. And it doesn't mean it's not, like, worth it, too, to try. Yeah. Like, like, (laughs) if you want to try, go for it. But that's the same thing with polyamory. If you want to try, go for it. But you need to put the work in. And it's the same with all of these different relationships. Yeah. Relationships are work, period. It doesn't matter if it's a friendship, a romantic relationship, a sexual relationship. There's always work. Mm-hmm. And people have to be, you know, committed to doing that work, mm-hmm. even if they're not in a committed relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I will admit that I personally have had a range of experiences that were in monogamous relationships. And the quality of those relationships was not necessarily related to whether they were monogamous or not. Um, but I would speak at least for my own, I don't know, currently happy monogamous relationship that I would say it's not necessarily that the monogamy is so like it is again, as a, as a sort of concept or structure, like is so much better than anything else. But I would say that what is happening in the context of that relationship is a lot of communication about the boundaries that we both have and the commitment that we have towards each other. And I don't think that that's specific to monogamous relationships, or at least it shouldn't be, you know? And I think actually um, across both monogamous and sort of polyamorous relationships, I think the most important thing is sort of communication and building mutual trust and having shared, you know, shared boundaries that you're both sort of willing to engage with. And I would say personally, I have enjoy doing that with one person who I've sort of decided that this is a person that I want to be in communication with in those ways. Um, And I would say that I don't think that that means that everyone would benefit from that either. Um, And I, but I would say that if you, it is very challenging to do with one person. And so I can see how it would be 
you know, multiply challenging with multiple people. And so I think that the question may be, um, you know, is being in a monogamous relationship um, something that other people are actively choosing or are they doing it because it's the default? And if they are actively choosing it, I think it's probably as much work as any other kind of healthy relationship, um, including like other friendships and family relationships. Um, and in that sense, I think that the monogamy part of it is more just about sort of, or I think it should be about personal preference more than either this is the norm. So, you know, this is how it's always done and I'll do it that way or saying like, I don't want to do that because it's the norm, you know? So either way is still sort of a response to uh, the norm or the sort of power structure rather than sort of saying, well, you know, what is my experience of being in the relationships that I'm in and do I want to kind of continue that way or do I want to try something else? I think that kind of leads into another question that we have as well as like the root of monogamy and like do you think that people like why do people love it so much or do you think it is this default that people just like succumb to or like I know it's kind of similar to like what you value in monogamy but like it's so like I was looking up statistics on it and like only 2% of the world like practices polygamy from like one source that I read. So it's like, why is monogamy so popularized in your opinion? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, not, I don't know. I, I think historically, well, I don't, or I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's hard to say like why something is happening, you know, in all these different social and cultural contexts. But I would say maybe history and also, I would say I'm, I'm a little hesitant to take this to a global scale, but I would say at least like in the United States, like the way that patriarchy and capitalism uh, and heteronormativity are structured reproduces itself and reproduces the normalization of monogamy. So for example, like, yeah, already, you know, like, I don't know, if you go back, I don't even know this history that well, but if you go back to like, you know, colonial you know, settlers, you know, in the United States or, you know, they, you know, they were come bringing a certain type of like Christian religious tradition. So there's obviously a certain type of like marriage union that comes from that tradition. Um, and so even from the sort of inception, like of the economy and of society, of, at least in the context of the US, like American society, you already have built into it certain rights and property structuring that's around marriage as an institution. You know, and so even if like, I mean, and this is part of it too, is that like, I mean, historically people have not been like sexually monogamous insofar as like only having sex with one person. And that's why you have these like long histories of like people having sexual relations outside of their marriages. Um, both sort of like as an open secret and as like a secret secret. But again, like that kind of, again, the assumed sort of default, the norm that what is seen as sort of like um, publicly respectable is so much structured around this idea of marriage and this heteronormative marriage and this idea. And that's very tied to property, you know, it's, and, and historically women were seen as property of their husbands or their fathers and then their husbands, you know, so we, we you can see how it's all tied together. And so now, like, fast forward, I mean, I'm really skipping over a lot of history here, but fast forward to the present day, like, we're in, in you know, feminist movements and in general women's studies, we're trying to unpack and, and unattach, you know, women's status from 
marriage, the institution of marriage from, you know, being existing in relation to fathers and husbands. But part of that is that historically monogamy, or at least the concept or the fantasy of monogamy has been attached to that, you know, and so again, I think it's not as simple as just sort of saying like, yes, like go, you know, hook up with or enjoy the company of lots of other people. But it's also about sort of untangling like, well, what is your relationship to marriage? What is your relationship to your gender? What is relationship to your sexuality, you know, and so I think that's also why, like in a lot of queer communities, polyamory and non-monogamy is like much more accepted or it's more it's much more inclusive is precisely because like queer communities have already sort of pushed you know has already sort of pushed back or like um, identified themselves as sort of outside of that heterosexual norm you know and, and I think that's partially also why um, it's you know in some ways it's easier to have a different relationship to that model than, you know, for folks who identify as straight or heterosexual. I think it's really interesting to note that non-monogamy has been a common practice for the LGBTQ um, plus community. So as Lily kind of mentioned, like a lot of this is, could come from the fact that LGBTQ plus members have been like kind of pushing back that barrier of heteronormativity and just, like, the yeah. societal standards. And creating safe spaces. <laughs> exactly, creating safe spaces for kind of a while. So it's not surprising that non-monogamy is kind of, it's not a norm necessarily, but it's it's more common. It's accepted, too. <laughs> common and accepted in these spaces. Um, there was actually, um, it's, it's interesting because a significant percent of people in same-sex partnerships um don't view monogamy or sexual exclusivity as part of the meaning of marriage and I think that meaning of marriage is something that can vary from person to person and that's okay there is no set definition um but yeah I I just wanted to touch on that for a second and say that there there was a study done um and on gay and bisexual men that were partnered and 42 percent were in non-monogamous relationships and of those that were non-monogamous, 53% were in open relationships and 47% were in monoga- monogamish relationships. So, again, couples that are sexually polyamorous but remain emotionally monogamous. So, I just think that's super interesting and cool. Yeah. And, like, it's cool that there's a space where, like, or at least a community where that is being accepted more often. I just mm-hmm. wish that it was transferable to, like, our general population. Right. Um. Okay, kind of the last question I think is do you personally think that monogamy is realistic and this is kind of a loaded question it's kind of with the context of um like how achievable do you think it is in a realistic sense because and and if you do think that it's this realistic obtainable thing um, how do you keep it realistic and long lasting? I know that's kind of like a relationship guru type question, but like, <laughs> like I do, I think it's important to kind of gain your input on why, because a lot of people just don't think it's achievable and, or successfully, successfully. Achievable, yeah, yeah. Successfully achievable. Yeah. So what are your views on that? So personally, I think, of course, it's achievable for some people. And of course, it's not for others. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just, dis- you know, not that satisfying. But, but I would say, and the reason I say that is, and I think this is something that's really exciting, like working with Sex Out Loud and, and having more open dialogue about 
um, sexual education and sexual activity and just like the broad range of like human erotic experience is like people engage in like all types of arrangements, like erotic, romantic, and sexual, like people engage with all types of arrangements. And so why not monogamy too? Do I think it's realistic for all of society to be monogamous? No, you know, and so I think that's where sadly, like, you know, people are going to have to fight, figure out for themselves what's right. And sometimes that's even harder than going with the norm. I mean, it, oftentimes that's harder than going with the norm. And I guess I would say the reason why I do think it's realistic for some people is because I think there are, you know, I don't think we can speak for anyone else in terms of people who are want to or are, get something out of being monogamous for their whole lives, you know? And I don't think it's fair to just say like, oh, well, they're lying or like, oh, well, secretly deep down they, whatever, you know, like, because I'm sure there are people that, I mean, and I guess I personally identify as one of them, but I think part of it more so than just sort of using your own experience as a reference point is to sort of respect or imagine that there is this diversity, you know, across people's lives and experiences that includes the both includes the norm of like, you know, I guess what we would call like true or like complete monogamy and, you know, all the way to folks who just really, it's not for them, you know, and it never will be, you know, and I think the best we can do is, is have the self-knowledge to understand, you know, where we kind of fall in that range. I mean, I think maybe another sort of analogy that I thought of when you were saying that was like, that there are people who like live in the same town, like their entire lives, you know, and they don't leave like, I don't know, a 20 mile radius, you know, and then there are people that move to like a different city, like every year, you know, and I'm sure those people in the small town are like, I don't know how you live like that. And I'm sure those, those people who like to like move every year and explore new places and go on vacations and visit every country, like are like, I don't know how you live in that small town, you know, your whole life. Like, how can you, you know, don't, don't you get stir crazy? You know, and I think it's kind of the same. I mean, it's not the same thing, like literally, but like, you know, it's the same vibe of sort of, you know, looking at someone and sort of saying like, I don't know how you do it. Well, you don't have to, you know, but if you're happy doing your thing, then you should do your thing. And in that sense too, like, I don't think that anyone is inherently um, going to be good at one or the other, or, or is inherently, you know, predisposed to any one thing or any other thing. So in that sense too, I also feel like even our, our own sort of relationship to monogamy or polyamory, I think can change over time in that way too. Especially, I think, frankly, as like people's relationship to sex, you know, and sexual activity changes too. And, and so in that sense, like I can also see how the all of it is kind of this mixed up journey, you know, and I think the biggest part of it, or the most important part about it is like being honest with yourself about what makes sense for you at the time. And that doesn't mean you have to do it forever. And I just think it's important to note that, like, these ideas of toxic monogamy are often romanticized or, like, perpetuated in media. Um, there's cultural norms and social expectations that come along with it, and they're just so pervasive that even in polyamorous relationships, where people may have more than one sexual and or romantic partner at a time, these concepts and their toxicity often carry over and manifest kind of in their own ways. And by interrogating and kind of unlearning these limiting and harmful messages about love, we can share healthier relationships without fostering shame in ourselves and in our relationships and in whatever way we practice romantic love. And we just want to say a lot of this information has been researched from trusted sources and also a lot of the information we gathered here or learned about um, today was 
from Explained, and there's an episode on monogamy on Netflix, so if y'all are interested in hearing more about this, I recommend that you check it out. And in this episode, we discuss the history of monogamy, what it looks like today, and we also were able to sit down with Lily Johnson and got her perspective on monogamy and healthy relationships. It's important to note that not any type of relationship is the best for everyone, and that the most important thing is that everyone is communicating and being respectful and respected. Thank you. Bye.